Welcome to the Robert J. Morgan Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you believe and cherish the Bible and to learn and love Christian history and hymnody. I'm producer Joshua Rowe, introducing your host, Robert J. Morgan. Rob has written dozens of books with titles like The Red Sea Rules, 100 Bible Verses Everyone Should Know by Heart, and Then Sings My Soul. His newest book, 100 Bible Verses That Made America, is a biblical tour through American history and has just been released. Visit robertjmorgan.com for more details and for free downloads related to this resource, or order from your favorite online retailer. Now here's your host, Robert J. Morgan. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode. This is coming at a very difficult time for America. The coronavirus crisis has deepened from day to day, and all of us are to some extent fearful, either because of our health or because of the economy, or perhaps because of the future in general. So maybe it is providential that this series of podcasts is devoted to the subject, What's Bothering You?, and particularly today to Psalm 37, the passage that says, Do not fret. So I hope that you'll share this podcast with someone who needs it, and I thank you for doing that. Jenny Allen, the author of a new best-selling book entitled Get Out of Your Head, Stopping the Spiral of Toxic Thoughts, claims that our minds entertain between 9,000 and 60,000 different thoughts every day. 70% of these thoughts, she says, are negative, and 85% are repetitive from the previous day. She said, our minds are spiraling over and over again in toxic thought patterns of worry, fear, shame, and cynicism. Well, I can say for me that as hard as I try, I'm often in that negative cycle too. Even at the age of 67, I worry about my family, my ministry, my career, about finances, about my health, and sometimes even about moments years ago when I said the wrong thing or made a mistake. Those kinds of thoughts can spin around in my head like a whirlpool, but I'm always striving. I know you are too, for better spiritual, mental, and emotional health. I think it's a lifelong pursuit for most of us. Well, recently I've developed a personal biblical visualization that helps me. I try to imagine the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit descending around me for a little discussion. They give me a small three-by-five card and tell me to write a sentence about what's bothering me. What would they say, I imagine, when I handed them back that card? Well, God the Father has already given us his advice in Psalm 37, which begins with the words, Do not fret. For the last several episodes, we've been looking at that first verse and, well, the first paragraph of Psalm 37. And if you're in a place where you can do it now, it would be great if you could open your Bible to Psalm 37. If you're driving or unable to do it, maybe you're on a walk, then just listen along. The Bible is the most unique book in history, for every word possesses dual authorship. Every word is written by God through the inspiring power of the Holy Spirit, and every word was written by a human being. So when we read Psalm 37, we can say either the Lord says, or we can say David wrote. Both are true, because it's from God it has supernatural personal, eternal, overwhelming trustworthiness and authority. Because it's from David, we can study his life and gain insights into why and how he wrote this psalm. 
Well, it seems to me that David, who was a keen student of the scriptures that he had, was eager to expand the nation of Israel to borders and boundary lines that matched the promises that God had given to Abraham. As David conquered more and more of the promised land, more than Joshua ever did, he sent settlers to build Jewish communities there. It was difficult for them to do, trying to build a new life and tame a new frontier, and they were despised by the surviving, original, but evil and malicious occupants of the land. We can really all relate to that. We're all moving step by step into the future that God has promised for us, but it isn't easy. We're living in a hostile world, but the Bible forbids us from fretting. I believe that David wrote Psalm 37 to tell them that even in a difficult environment, do not fret. Now, I know it's not that we can just turn off fretting the way we turn off our car engines or our bedside lamps. We have to displace a fearful or fretting attitude with better attitudes. So Psalm 37 says, do not fret. Instead, trust in the Lord, stay busy, do good, and feed on his faithfulness. We've looked at those elements in earlier episodes, but I want to focus in for a moment on that wonderful phrase, feed on his faithfulness, Psalm 37, verse 3. That phrase is a remarkable concept, and the only way that I know how to do it is through the daily study of the Bible. Over the years, the scriptures that have been the most meaningful to me are the ones that I have studied and learned and even memorized, or at least I've come to know them by heart, and God has given me those verses in a special way during periods of high anxiety or stress. When my daughter had a terrible car wreck and I was driving to the hospital, the Lord reminded me of Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. When my father passed away, the Lord gave me Romans 8.18. The sufferings of this present world are not worth comparing to the glories that will be revealed. When my mother passed away, instantly as I received the news, a verse of scripture came to my mind. Psalm 116 verse 15. Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. What a comfort that was. When I was harassed and tormented by two men a number of years ago, the Lord showed me a verse in Isaiah chapter 7. Be careful, keep calm, and don't be afraid. Do not lose heart because of those two smoldering stubs of firewood. When I faced a discouraging season of ministry, the Lord showed me 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. When Katrina and I were both struggling with the effects of her disability, the Lord gave us 12 Bible verses about strength, and we rehearsed those verses through experience again and again. What I'm saying is that when we study the Bible every day and become familiar with its great passages and feed ourselves with the pasturage within its pages, the Holy Spirit brings verses to our mind just as we need them, and those verses disrupt or at least diminish the cycle of fretting that would otherwise run away with us. I think this is a part of what it means to feed on His faithfulness. So the first three items in Psalm 37 for overcoming a fretting mind— are to trust the Lord, stay busy, and immerse ourselves in His Word. Fourthly, 
Delight yourself in the Lord. The fourth strategy goes on in verse 4 of Psalm 37 to say, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. To delight in something means that we experience a high degree of pleasure or excitement in something. We might say, that man delights in taking long walks in the country. Or we might say, I look at the sunsets over the Gulf of Mexico, and they are delightful to see. This word is sometimes used in the Bible to describe the burst of euphoria when a man and a woman fall in love or in other times when there is a deep satisfaction found in a close friendship. Genesis 34:19 talks about a young man who delighted in Jacob's daughter. And 1 Samuel 19 describes how Jonathan and David delighted in their unique friendship. Proverbs 27 and verse 9 says, Oil and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a person's friend gives delight by hearty counsel. So when you delight in something, it's a source of great pleasure and satisfaction for you. I've been thinking a great deal about this since my wife Katrina went to heaven. We enjoyed doing special things together and traveling together. We always enjoyed finding little restaurants or sidewalk cafes. We enjoyed our Friday night date nights. Well, a couple of months ago, I read something that said that most of us do not realize how much we really delight in the simple pleasures of being with someone that we love until they're gone. We look back on it, and things which we took for granted assume a greater significance, and we said, I didn't realize how special those moments were. Well, that's true. All the little things that we did were more precious than I realized, and in the same way, our experiences with the Lord are more precious and delightful than we know. We should never take them for granted. We should delight in them. So what does it really mean, then, to delight in the Lord? First, we're to find great pleasure and satisfaction from our relationship and our fellowship with Him, and I believe this grows as we come to understand Him and know Him more. From time to time, people ask me what books, apart from the Bible itself, have impacted me the most. Well, when I was in college, two books circulated through the dormitories about God and His attributes. An attribute is a characteristic or an aspect of someone's being or personality. Well, the first book, which was a little bit older, was by a pastor named A.W. Tozer, who was a great devotional writer. It was called The Knowledge of the Holy. By reading this book, I began to realize how infinitely incredible God was and is and always will be in his very person or personality and how important it is to study the subject of God so as to learn more about him and to personally know him better. I still have my old copy of the paperback edition of The Knowledge of the Holy, and I get it out often to read it. Tozer begins by lamenting the loss of the concept of the majesty of God, and he said, quote, If we would bring back spiritual power to our lives, we must begin to think of God more nearly as he is. He said we must begin the practice of reverent meditation on the being of God. And he said this profound sentence, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And listen to this sentence. 
He said we tend by a secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. Tozer goes on in his book to provide brief but probing chapters about God's self-existence, his self-sufficiency, his eternity, his infinitude, his immutability or changelessness, his wisdom, and so forth. Somehow by reading that little book in college and by rereading it in the years since, I've come to better realize what a marvel it is that I can approach and meet and know and talk with and have fellowship and be protected by and blessed by the God who is full of power, faithfulness, goodness, holiness, sovereignty, and majesty. Who would not delight in that? The other book is similar, Knowing God by J.I. Packer. I keep a copy of it on the bookshelf over my desk. And he said essentially the same thing, but in other words. Packer said, quote, Disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfold, as it were, with no sense of direction. In reading these two books, I came to better appreciate the majesty of God and the joy, the delight in knowing such a God on a personal basis through Jesus Christ. The famous Westminster Shorter Catechism is exactly along these lines. It begins with the famous question, what is the chief end of man? The answer is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Well, isn't that what it means to delight yourself in the Lord? To glorify him and to enjoy him forever. My very favorite story in the Bible is in Luke 24 about the two disciples on the road to Emmaus on the afternoon of that first Easter. They started their journey in a downcast mood, but along the way, Jesus Christ, freshly risen from the grave, joined up with them, although for a while they were kept from recognizing him. As they walked mile after mile, he taught them the Bible, and when they arrived at the village, he went in with them to have supper, and when the bread was broken, they suddenly recognized him, and he disappeared. With euphoria, they jumped up from the table and walked or ran all the way back to Jerusalem to share the news their hearts were burning within them. That's surely what it means to delight in the Lord. And it's an experience that all of us can have, walking with the Lord and having a sense of euphoria that you really actually truly do know him and enjoy his company. That is something for us all just to delight in. And the more we delight in the Lord, the less we're in despair over our lot, our load, or our losses. Well, the last part of our key text for this episode, verse 4 of Psalm 37, says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, I want to talk to you about this verse very seriously. I've been thinking about this verse a lot recently. It's been on my mind day and night. And the other morning, I woke up with an eureka moment, and I said, I have been misinterpreting this verse all my life. Now, I want you to follow me and think about this. This is a very important verse and there are two ways of interpreting it, I've come to realize. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. The first interpretation is that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will fulfill the desires of our heart. But the verse doesn't say fulfill. It says, 
give. And that's the second interpretation. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our hearts. He gives us many things when we delight ourselves in him. He gives us many blessings. But one of the things he gives us when we learn to delight ourselves in him is desires. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us our desires. There are certain desires that he gives us when we delight ourselves in him. Look at the verse again. Delight yourself in the Lord. It doesn't say, and he will fulfill the desires in your heart. He says, he will give you the desires of your heart. When we delight ourselves in the Lord, he will give you the set of desires that are necessary for a fulfilled life. He will give you desires that he himself and only he himself can fulfill. In other words, as you delight in the Lord, he will moderate and modify and mobilize your innermost desires and give you the true desires you should have, and then he will fulfill them. Now, this is no easy lesson. I read an article by Elizabeth Madry, who is a digital products analyst in Virginia and a graduate of my alma mater, Wheaton College. And she said that from the time she was 14, she had two burning desires, to teach computer science at a college level and then to have children and to be a stay-at-home mom. She also knew Psalm 37, verse 4, and she trusted in that verse, but she trusted in the first interpretation. She thought that if she delighted in the Lord, he would fulfill those desires. And so she adopted this verse for herself. Well, she did achieve the first of those desires. She became a teacher, but only to find out that teaching really wasn't for her after all. And as far as the other desire was concerned, to have children and to be a stay-at-home mom, there too she ran into problems because children didn't come. So she said, I acted with the knowledge that if I dedicated my efforts to him and asked for his will, he would bless my efforts and grant those desires. But she said, I understood, I came to understand that this isn't what the scripture says. I was not delighting myself in the Lord, I was telling the Lord to delight in my efforts. And the difference, she said, is humbling. As I've cried, struggled, and screamed for God to grant me the desires of my heart, I had set myself up to fail. She goes on to say that since then, she has learned that it's a totally different thing than she understood. It isn't a matter of God fulfilling all of the desires that she had prior to her delighting in the Lord. It's a matter of her delighting in the Lord and recognizing that as she did so, God would give her certain desires that truly reflected his will. I think this is a wonderful way of looking at it. And I'd like for you to never forget the fact that it is very important to interpret Scripture carefully, to look and to study at verses and to make sure that we're understanding them in their context. After all, the verse goes on to say, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in Him, and He will bring it to pass. There are clues in Psalm 37 that helps us to interpret it correctly. So it doesn't say here, Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will fulfill your desires. It says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you, he will give to you the desires that should be in your heart. When you delight yourself in the Lord, he will equip you with a new set of desires that nobody else on earth can have or can fulfill unless they too delight themselves in him. 
Do you know that about 40 years ago when I began pastoring, I had a great desire that I thought was a godly desire. I desired to pastor a church of 5,000 people and to be well-known in the ministry in my community and to win multitudes of people to Christ. And that was truly a desire in my heart. That may in some ways sound admirable, but of course it's all a matter of motivation. Why do we have these desires? Why do we want these things? Well, looking back, I think a great deal of it was self-centered. I wanted to have a big work. But fortunately, I had had mentors who told me during my college years that my walk with the Lord was more important than my work for the Lord and to never miss my quiet time. So I've always made a definite habit of spending some time every morning in Bible study and prayer and meeting with the Lord. And gradually, as I did that, I learned to just delight in that custom, that habit, that fellowship I had with Him. And as I began to delight myself in the Lord, I began to see things more clearly about the nature of ministry. Through the years, sometimes through disappointments and frustrations, I came to realize that the size of my church was not nearly as important as I thought. The numbers that I craved were not always craved for the right reason, and the apparent size or scope of my work wasn't very important at all. Being faithful on a daily basis to whatever he gave me to do, large or small, and doing it with joy, that was far more important. And do you know what happened? Well, I never did pastor a church of 5,000, and I never will this side of heaven. But I am humbly aware that the dream that I had was truthfully too small. And in His grace, the Lord has now given me a larger group, including you listening to this podcast episode to whom I can minister in various ways. But even that is nothing to boast about. The Apostle Paul said, God forbid that I should boast, save in the cross of Christ my Lord, by whom the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. So delight yourself in walking with the Lord, with knowing Him, with studying His Word, with fellowshipping with Him, with singing praise to Him, and do not fret. This is the message of Psalm 37. Do not fret. Trust in the Lord. Do good, stay busy. Delight yourself in the Lord and feed on His faithfulness and let Him give you some amazing desires in your life. Try practicing that today. Say, beginning today, I'm not just going to walk with the Lord, I'm going to delight in walking with my dear Lord. I'm glad you've tuned into this podcast. It was produced by Joshua Rowe and Clearly Media. Edited by Elijah Rowe. Music by Jordan Davis. If there's a little extra sound in this podcast episode, it's because it was raining tremendously outside the window as I recorded it. But that's just God's background music. For more information and resources, visit my website at robertjmorgan.com. This is Robert Morgan. Thank you for listening.